Yo, it's R the Architect, and this is more than a haircut podcast. Today, I got my man Brandon, high school student. I would call him a phenom, phenom, but he's not on the field. But he's a phenomenal character. <laughs> I say that. But uh, first and foremost, bro, how are you, man? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Man, I can't complain. I know. Um, being in a barbershop, we deal with a lot of. Uh, I say a different age range, like. Anywhere right. from two years old, man, all the way really up to like 80, 90, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I say from a perspective of just, just coming in and just being a part of the barbershop, what what have you been able to gain, I guess, just, just from the barbershop experience? Like, what is, what is it to you? What does it mean to you? Well, uh, Ari, you know, you're my bar- barber. Yeah. My dude, um, I just want to uh, point out that the barbershop, is uh, one of the places um, in the black community mm-hmm. that black men can go yeah. and um, share different from politics to uh, sports uh, to um, social um, social topics yeah. in our community okay. and um, freely speak that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our struggles of what we go through, we can, you know, have just laxed and um, healthy conversations with other um, men, so men, yeah. yeah, I think that's it's a it's a good medium yeah. for us, and uh, it's one of the businesses, the one of the black businesses that that has survived yeah. integration. I agree. So, I I definitely yeah. agree with that. You know that that point of just surviving and integration, mm-hmm. just just overall, I can't yeah. say that everywhere in the country, really around the world, because right. I can, I can speak from a local level. You know, and I can also speak from an international level. There are, quote unquote, so-called black barbers. Right. You know, in other countries that's cutting and doing a great job. So, also just from a standpoint too, like I said, I know you're in high school. Right. Tenth grade or eleventh. All right, eleventh grade. My bad. <laughs> so, being that you are in high school, right. being that you are in eleventh grade, um, this is kind of like I won't say a breaking point, but I know. Uh, a year from today, you'll be going, you know, you'll be in the 12th grade, but really pursuing a level of, I got to finish up, I'm getting ready to go to college. Right. Um, did it start kicking in for you in the ninth grade or the 10th grade, or has it just started kicking in as far as, like, what are your goals as far as trade, or am I going to go to college, or, or what What in specific, well, and when did it kick in at, these are my next moves that I'm going to make in my life to further myself, not just now, but 10 years from now. Well, um, I'm going to be honest. I've I've um, been thinking about this probably since middle school, probably since the seventh grade. Okay. Because I've always had, um, you know, sh- strong mentors mm-hmm. and I always had representation of successful um, black black um, brothers okay. in our communities. I like to surround myself with those type of people. Okay. And so they just encourage me to, to keep thinking about different um, colleges and what I want to see in the world and yeah. the career path to pursue. Yeah. And I, I and I think I think that's brilliant, man. You know, just just the fact that you say it started in middle school. I think that's shoot. That, that's like as the as the guy Ha Ha Dave says, man. It's beyond me. You know what I mean? Right. Right. To even hear a, a, an 11th grader say, I've been doing this since middle school. I've been thinking about this since middle school. I wasn't thinking about the barbershop in middle school. You know what I mean? I was drawing. I was playing ball. I was thinking about what's my move to go to the NBA. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like just just growing up, or as my mom would say, "What's your bag up playing?" I was like being a thinking I'm a smart ass. I'm like, well, I'm gonna play golf. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it's right. like in a sense that taught me like I'm writing a book to have a bag up plan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You again, you being in high school. What are some of the things that you deal with that, you know, you would say some people may not know that you guys deal with? I say you in, you in particular, like what is it that you may deal with that I'm in a barbershop, I might not know that you go through on a, on a positive and maybe some negative, I say not negative, but influential things that you might see going on where somebody might want you to, to um, just, just it, it could just be anything, you know what I mean? Well, um, one thing that I did, I, I, I mostly deal with, um, is perception. Okay. Uh, from, from, um, meaning from an adult, um, per, um perspective. Okay. Um, their perception of our generation. Yeah. That y'all don't uh, want to work. That y'all, yeah, right. y'all right. don't want to. Lazy or that, um, a lot of people say, uh. You know what? What is the world coming? You know what is this generation coming to? And different negative, yeah, 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 um, ne- negative connotations that have been um, placed, you know, upon our generation. And mm. my goal is to live a life of service, okay, and rewrite the narrative that in these, um, you know, these prejudices, because you know, prejudice is the preconceived uh, judgment of someone. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I just want to encourage. Um, adults and different people uh to not have that um have those viewpoints towards our generation because when you know when you all were young there were things that your um that people who came before their parents. you their parents yeah. didn't like you know like the bell bottoms you yeah. know the 70s yeah. and their different the styles music. the music yeah. they thought it was the devil's music that uh-huh. disco was the devil's music yeah. and so you know each each era you know, each decade has its own, you know, own way of um, social Express, expression. I say expression, social, yeah. yeah. And then at the same time, it's like we just had a conversation, and I just put part one up of the conversation, and it was talking about old versus young. Mm-hmm. And I'm a part of the young and the old. All right. You know, just just to be frank with you, like, it's a lot of stuff I don't understand that the young mm-hmm. do. It's a lot of stuff that I don't understand that the old do. So it's like I'm caught in between. Right. You know what I mean? So at the same time it's like I don't I don't bash the young. It's some some shit that y'all do where it's like, man, I don't know what excuse my French. I don't know what the fuck going on. Right. right. But at the same time it's like, man, this is a young man. This is a young woman. This is a young girl. They gonna make decisions that I might not totally agree with. But at the same time, they have to get the experience of, hey, this is a this is a child. This mm-hmm. child is on. This child is really gonna learn when they fuck up or mess up, as people say. Mm-hmm. So it's like now, I think it's a positive on what you're speaking on now when you said people's perceptions, because the perception is from the old that the young not doing anything. But mm-hmm. but watch this though. And how we flipped the narrative. On the old and young conversation, a lot of the old didn't share the knowledge and information mm-hmm. on financial literacy to us. Right. Meaning that, okay, hey, look, man, 
save save just a little bit of your money or invest in some of the things that you want to do. A lot of them were pushing us to go to college. Mm -hmm. But guess what that's done? That's created an era of debt. Right. When a lot of those students shouldn't have been going to college, not even saying go to the military, go get a trade. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we got buildings that's getting built. They're going to need plumbing on these buildings. Mm-hmm. Where are the plumbers at? Where are the electricians? Where are the masons? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where are the people that's doing sheetrock? So, in, in essence, what I'm, what I'm piggybacking off of with what you're saying is that I respect the old. I don't respect everything that they did. Mm-hmm. I don't respect the fact that they weren't persistent on teaching us, like, look, you don't necessarily have to go to college. It's 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 a way to you know to get the information. I get that, but by getting the trade, I can invest into my future by doing that. Look at it now. The top companies, Apple, Amazon. Right. They say you don't even have to have a high school diploma. I mean, they they say you don't have to have a college diploma to come and work on the boardroom because it's the information is out here to, to learn. Now. Well, I want to piggyback on that, uh, Ari. Um, a lot of it is. Uh, education and the knowledge of these positions. Uh, if you go back into history, into um, Jim Crow mm-hmm. and um, segregation and uh, during that era, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the African the African American population they did not have the knowledge of this because of that what's been passed on since um, the abolition of slavery. So when the abolition of slavery happened, and then they implemented the um, black codes right after uh, the reconstruction, yeah, reconstruction period, mm-hmm. the 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 white man, mm-hmm. the, you know, the the white the community and the white southern community, they wanted to um, subjugate and keep um, the black population um, inferior because Always. of the fear, yeah, of the fear that uh, that. There, because the white the white people are, um, they have the inferior, inferior gene. Yeah. That if integration happens, their race will become extinct. Well, I mean, that's on the on the scientific yeah. front. That's inevitable. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable. At the same time, it's like a lot of it, and I'm doing a lot of a, a lot of family history mm-hmm. right now. I'm building a family tree. So, like, I heard you speak on the term African-American. A lot of people don't even know that that was a term that was created by Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. And he got actually paid for that. You can do the research. You can go and find out. So it's like, I don't I don't knock the the uh, the phrase African-American. And I don't knock the fact that there, there are African roots. But the more that I do research on my family history, mm-hmm. I'm finding out that at one point in time, my grand, my great 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 grandparents were called colored. Not not just colored, they were either tribesmen from mm-hmm. Cherokee and Choctaw, you know what I'm saying? And then the people relative to me, they started getting written out of history because now you're saying you got five dollar Indians. Then you also say, well, we're not gonna call you what you are. We're gonna call mm-hmm. you. Black. We're going to label you as black. Mm-hmm. We're going to label you as Negro. We're going to label you as colored. Right. 
we're going to label you as African-American. And now it's just like the term gets used and it'll get changed again, maybe get changed again in your lifetime, mm-hmm. maybe in kids' kids' lifetime. But it's like now, how do you feel about the the the, uh, the quote where Dr. King said, I'm afraid that I led my people into a burning home when he was speaking on integration? Um, I, I agree 100% yeah. with um, Dr. King. Yeah. You know, he, he, it, it is um, no doubt that he was probably one of the most influential brothers of the 20th century. Yeah. But uh, but what, what he um, was pushing for mm-hmm. was respectively the... What he was, he was seeing in like in the deep south in states like Mississippi, and you had the um, Mississippi burning um, killings of the you know the three civil rights workers. Yeah. And you had Emmett Till and all these other people who were killed at the hands of this fear, yeah, this stigma all, among you know the white community. Yeah. Um, and what that that was that was the whole scope. But I really think that once he, the bigger he got. Uh, it became equivalent to um, equivalent to Booker T. Washington. Yeah, with I that can, Atlanta that. compromise. Yeah, um, deal. And so Lyndon Johnson, when he, you know, the Civil Rights um, Act of 1964, mm-hmm. and then the Voting Rights Act of 65. Yeah, um, it was that compromise that, and he 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 couldn't um, afterwards. I really think that he had a revelation and that God probably gave him a revelation. Was revealing a lot. Revealing a lot of the effects of this because since integration, you have places like Sweet Auburn, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're in Atlanta, um, the West End area, the black communities, historical black communities that affluent African American, affluent, you know, black people, they lived and they thrived in the 1920s, 30s, you know. On and on, on and on into the sixties. Even even yeah. on past it. Yeah, we past that. Yeah. But then once integration happened, black people thought, "Oh, I want the, I want to go to Buckhead and get the Chanel, and the Yves Saint Laurent, and all these European brands, and take on these European um, uh, aspects of different things." And um, because when and during segregation, all we had was our people. Yeah. And I, I would like to see more, you know, because me personally, my, um, my, I don't want to call it, but my tailor, she is a black woman. Okay. Um, I try to, Who when I had my is party. It L? Huh? It's not L, is it? No. Oh, okay. No, she in Douglasville. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, tr- I try to pour it back into the black community as much as possible. Okay. Being my age, I, I just, because. You see, you see. You, yeah. You got a vision. Yeah, I, I want to uplift my people and pour back into our community because since, um, you know, integration, it, it has aspects. It, it's, it's a 